Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Barry, and I'm here without a bucket. My bucket is Tyler. He's not here again. Today, we're talking about isolation and hope. We'll talk about my sermon from this past weekend, but before we do that, now that she's back from worshiping on Mount Gerizim, please welcome in my favorite Samaritan, Marin Gaffrin. Good day, Marin. Why, good day, Barry. Good day. Hey. Hey, we managed to make another podcast happen hey. without Tyler. We're hurting here. We Tyler, are. where are you, man? Man, he's oh, not on Mount weeks. Gerizim, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, it looked, based on social media, it looked like he was out on a body of water somewhere. Dark out waters. on like a, no, a pristine glass-like lake. Oh, really? Yeah, I, so. Well, that's way better. That's more his style. <laughs> Lauren has been posting pictures from this family vacation they've been on. And one of the pictures was her sitting on a dock, like, reading yeah. a book or something but that water is so crystal clear like you could see straight through to the bottom of of the lake so oh that's cool that was one of the comments i had to make was just how beautiful it looks because i know of tyler's aversion to the dark waters yeah he does He's not, not like about those it. dark waters mm-hmm. um he there's a picture that she posted i think of Milo looking like a straight up teenager. Did you see that? He looks like he's so old all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's crazy. So well, we'll we'll talk to Tyler when he gets back and I'm sure he's going to have plenty of hijinks and adventures to share with us. Yeah, uh, I just I want to ask him about his son. I think his son either got locked in a room or locked the entire family out of the house. So, <laughs> remind me to ask him that next week. Yeah, we're, we we got to find out. Got to find <laughs> out what's going on. How are you doing, Marin? What's new in your life? Um, I'm doing good. I think, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm jumping onto a moving treadmill. I just feel like I'm running. I think with the kids, the kids, I I should call them, are they even kids anymore? They're old. Young adults? I have a junior in high school and a sophomore (laughs) in high school. I can't be calling them kids. Um, but they start school. They start school this week. So it's all And what's the, what's the plan for their school district? Are they doing virtual online? I can't remember right. what so you they're, said. Right, so they're in Hamilton, South, uh, Hamilton Southeastern Schools, and they're um, initially going back completely online. So gotcha. we went and did a textbook pickup uh, late last week, and yeah. for the most part, they'll be using computers and not textbooks. Desi didn't have one book to pick up. Jaden is really? the guy with the books. So wow. it'll be interesting no matter what. But Are they – I mean – I imagine I've never I don't have kids, so I imagine that normally there's a bit of relief when you can kind of get back to the new rhythm of the fall and school and just like normal life. But I imagine that's not the case for you. No, with them being home. No, no, not the case. Just they they want to go back to school. They are tired of the at home thing. And it's it's funny, like I I see my daughter come alive Sunday night when she gets to go to merge because she doesn't have a job yet, even though she's, she's been out there applying, looking for that work. She, she just wants to get out of the house. So when she gets a chance to go to merge, it's the only time that she (laughs) puts, you know, effort into changing clothes and just wants to be somewhere, you know? So they, Jaden gets a little bit more opportunity to do that than she does because of marching band while they've scaled it back um, yeah. to its bare bones this year at least he still gets to go and have sectionals and they do yeah. them outdoors and they do them distanced but he at least has a bit more just a little bit more normalcy right now yeah. than she does so huh. here we go well, 2020 i i just can't imagine why they would want to leave the house i'm sure that you and oh Jed my are gosh we're equivalent fantastic. to any of their same we're, age friends we're stellar i would want to <laughs> hang out with me all day every day 24 7 yeah <laughs> no well and jed's going back um jed works for ips schools so yeah. again just this is kind of the week where these meetings are starting back up and they're starting to be held in person and he's yeah. spent some time in his school building um prepping a classroom that at least at this point he's not even sure he'll get to use anytime wow. soon yeah. so yeah all the things that's how we're doing but we're hanging in there we're staying alive Hang, how about hanging you in there i'm fine i can't complain i'm just 
I'm just working. If you notice, you, maybe you can tell I, yeah. uh, looking at the video, my room <laughs> is completely, I, all of the living room furniture and everything is crammed into my office. So I'm like super claustrophobic <gasps> oh. in here because Olivia has com- has decided to, to just tackle refinishing the wood floors oh, in our living room. And so all the hardwood floors in there, She's she's got this this massive rented sander thing that she's been I going all day. I see it right there through your door. It's, like it's really going to look great. It's going to be genuinely awesome and I am content I continue to be amazed at this woman who just turned into this DIY prodigy <laughs> out of nowhere and I I was asking her questions and like she knew the answer. She knew everything about finishing floors because she watched all the YouTube and yes, I was like of course. That's that's my thing. <laughs> like <laughs> you're <laughs> You're all of a sudden turning into into me when it comes to projects. So, I so love you it. Got a, you got a belt sander. I yes. see. Yes. Cuz Jed has done this twice in two Ooh. different places where we have lived. He has yeah. refinished hardwood floors. So, it's yep. uh well, it's it's sand for days, you know? Yeah. It's dust yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It's a good time. Well, it seems to be going well. It looks incredible compared to how it did before. So yeah, I was going to ask that. you why there's a giant rug rolled up leaning up <laughs> like against, leaning the against the wall behind Why there's your a head. couch? Why there's a couch <laughs> right behind me pressed up right. against a bookshelf? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's did why it, the did, poor rabbits are very confused. There, that, that's what I was going to ask. Did it displace yeah. <laughs> the rabbits, or are they there? No, they're, like they're in the here, but but they are like they're very they're used to like their territory and their space, and like they really. They get, you could like rearrange their pen and they'd get stressed out for a bit because they're just like, wait, where's everything? What's going on? What's safe? What's not? Where are my corners? Like, yeah. And so, yeah, putting all this stuff in here, I just, I came in this morning um, with some coffee and they found them just both like sitting completely dazed in the middle of the room, like completely confused. (laughs) So they'll be fine. They'll be fine. We'll go back to, back to normal soon. So anyway, yeah, I'm good. I'm just busy working um, this yeah, this there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I mentioned last week the sort of the financial situation that we're in as a church, and so we just have some hard decisions to make this week as we're uh, making our uh, budget for the next ministry year. It's just a lot of hard decisions, and so right. Do yeah, you, it's. Yeah. I don't know that our 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 listeners might not all be aware of what August traditionally means. Yeah. Um, for our organization. Right. We have a ministry year budget currently that goes from September to August. So generally speaking, by end of July, middle of August, we have our budgets, like our budget sorted and and set. And of course, we don't ever know what people will give. So we have to base our budget based on our best guess, Mm -hmm. projections on last year's giving and things like that. And so, um, but the last year's giving was kind of down from what we had hoped and we have the COVID pandemic (laughs) happening. So there's, we're trying to, trying to make sure that we're going to be able to to weather whatever kinds of downturns start coming our way in the, in the mm-hmm. days ahead. So it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of, it's complicated and heavy and intense, but for whatever reason, at this exact moment, I'm in an okay headspace mm-hmm. and I, I seem to be relatively happy. So, um, I suppose we should talk a list a little bit about reopening our buildings yeah, this past yeah, weekend for worship. That went. I was over um, worshiping on Mount Gerizim, so I don't know how it went with, <laughs> with 146 but yeah well i want to hear what i want to hear what your experience was like um i would say generally it was really positive people were there i mean it was obviously like marbles in a shoebox you know 250 people in like not a lot of bouncing around is that a thing do people say it's an expression i've heard like it before. marbles in a shoebox I don't that's know. Maybe me. that's just in my own imagination. No, but they're just bouncing around a lot of empty space you know 250 mm. people in an auditorium for i don't know what is it 1400 right? so yeah. So it's, it was, but, it, but the energy of having actual people in the room and I mean, after worshiping in shorts with a cup of coffee on your couch after for months coming back to like live worship and subwoofers and like, it's a, it's a good experience <laughs> overall. Um, I will right. say it was very awkward for me when I did the sermon that went sent to, got sent to the uh, campuses to try to figure out how to do both paying attention to the online audience and the people in the room. Um, I, I, for the last few months have just been staring at the camera. And so I'm able to totally engage with, with that one point of reference. And, and then all of a sudden now I'm here and there's people in the room. And so I want to move around and be natural, but I, I don't want to make it like, I forget that there's people watching online. And so I don't know, I didn't quite get that figured out, but, um, 
I think I probably will end up just erring on the side of being a little bit more natural. People watching online can just get used to the fact that they're watching. Well, they they know what know. they're watching. They know. They know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and so I I'm at the Fisher's campus and watching that moment in the sermon where you turned to both the audience that was present with you in the room and to us yeah. as the viewer saying, uh, I'm still trying to figure out which way to look, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> just have your patience or have patience and yeah, bear yeah. with me. We, we know what we're seeing. We know That's that true. you're having a service there. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, good, good. <laughs> how, so how was it? What was it like for you guys? It was great. I think it was, um, less of a marbles in a shoebox situation because our, auditorium is a little bit smaller or yeah. a lot of bit smaller than your auditorium there at 146. So the way that people are spread out in that room from my vantage point was just so neat to see how many people were there yeah. and to see who was there and to see entire families taking up one row. Um, Cause mm-hmm. that's how we seat people as they come in. We ask them if they have a preference of sitting in the, you know, closer to the stage or sitting yeah. kind of back up, um, in the further away seats and we seat the families together and yeah from my vantage point um there were a couple of things that were neat about it um you know how churches get where even my husband tends to be like this where he sits in the same place every sunday Yeah. yeah um so that was different seeing um the dundors sit sit up front when, when <laughs> normally they've got this spot where they always sit right. and just seeing families in different places um, was just kind of something that was refreshing and sort of neat because some of these yeah. folks, um, I know one person in particular who um, is more um, physical when she worships and she'll dance. And so to see her down front, like dancing in worship was super yeah. neat. I, I saw a couple of people um, that seemed to be a bit more outwardly demonstrative in their worship. And I couldn't tell if it was because this was their first time back and they just, they, they were so happy to be there. And so I, I must've seen at least three people literally dancing That's during cool. the worship. So that was really wow. cool. Wow. Um, yeah, that was awesome. And then I think, I, I, so I had um, my friend Eric was leading with me this week and after the service he just made made a comment about how different it is to have people worship with masks on mm-hmm. and you know when when you're up front and you're leading the people in worship we're not performing we're leading right. people and so right. we're constantly aware of the engagement of our people or at least the perceived engagement of our people and we can see mouths moving or um, we can I can hear audible voices I can hear people raising their voices uh, collectively in worship and so the masks change a lot of that (laughs) aspect of what I do as a leader right I can't tell if they're singing because I can't see their mouths moving and I can't necessarily (laughs) hear them because they're muffled so it's just a it's another challenge as a leader to figure out how to lead through this situation and through this time. We know it's uncomfortable to yeah, have to sing yeah. into your mask. And I'm not going to ask you to sing loud enough for me to hear you because it's enough for me that you're in this room. It's enough right. for me that you came and you're right. engaging with God's family this way. So, yeah, it's just yeah. someone should write I, a book about this very about. Oh, I think some books will be written. <laughs> in 2020. Oh, what word. does it look like? I, I kind of feel your pain at least a little bit because there were a couple things I said, which, you know, there there's like I'll say some jokes that'll get an audible laugh yeah. and I'll say some <laughs> that'll just get a chuckle. But with I can't hear any chuckles. And so I would say something that was kind of funny and then nothing. I couldn't hear anything. And I'm like, oh, no. It just fell totally flat. And then, then I'm like, or did it? Everyone's have, has like smiling eyes, but I can't tell what's going on. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, it was anyway. interesting. But the, I, again, the people who were gathered, you could, you could see it in their eyes and in the way that they interacted with each other from a distance, just how much it meant yeah. to be together, yeah. to be together again. Cause they could hear the sermon from home if that's, all they wanted but you could tell that mm-hmm. what was important to them was seeing one another and being right. together and you know as much as many of us have had to and still have to be distanced that way for those that are able to gather there's really nothing like 
uh, being yeah. together in person. So it was yeah. great. I, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. God willing, it will stay this way and, and things will ease up and we'll be able to have, you know, an increasing number of people coming on the weekends and get to the point where eventually things will get back to something that resembles normal and, and, but yeah, so for now we'll let's enjoy what we have and, and <laughs> pray that it keeps, keeps getting better. Yeah. Um, so cool. Well, Hey, tell you what, let's get into the sermon. We don't have to go the full, we don't have to go the full super long time. Um, because it's just you and me and we don't have Tyler it's prompting us. us. It's okay. If we want to keep it a little on the shorter side, why not? A little gift. We said that last time that yeah, we, I know I yeah, dare us to happen. try. I dare us to try to keep this. <laughs> we'll short. do what we can. Dear listeners, we'll do what we can. And if not, I'm sure you'll forgive us. So <laughs> Anyway, why don't I, since I'm kind of the defunct, defunct, no, de facto host for this one, sure. uh, why don't I? How about you just tell the, me about your big idea? Could you do the that? Big idea. Could you just give yeah. me the in case overarching anyone summary? It or, in case, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're starting Hope Month. This is the new the new sermon series, and if you if you aren't familiar with how we do Hope Month, it's we do it as a unified series. So everybody, all the grade levels, kids all the way up, are all learning the same topics each week told differently, age appropriate, obviously, but um, the the focus on Hope Month is that we, we talk about how God is healing one of the six broken places of the world. Each year, it's a different focus. Last year, we talked about hatred. This year, we're talking about isolation. How does God, how do we heal isolation in Jesus' name uh, in this world? And so, that's what this month is all about. And I began by uh, talking about the first, what I believe is kind of the first step on the road out of isolation, which is dignity, by offering someone dignity, by seeing them for who they really are, for their humanity. Uh, that is how you begin the process of of healing isolation. And I, I based all of that on the story of Jesus interacting with the woman at the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. And in the story, uh, I mean, we, we can talk about specifics of it, but basically uh, Jesus cuts through a ton of cultural expectations of him as a rabbi, uh, as a man. He, he speaks to this woman who's a Samaritan, who's outcast from her people for some reason, uh, and hmm. sees her who she for who she is, loves her for who she is, and offers her living water. And ultimately, it ends up you know, launching her into going back into her village and telling everybody, hey, got to come see this guy. Uh, and he might be the Messiah. And the story ends with this sort of isolated woman coming back to Jesus with this huge crowd of people from her village. So um, I don't know, it's beautiful. And it, it just shows how, how Jesus's compassion in engaging with this woman not only began to heal her isolation, but it also began pointing her towards a purpose beyond herself, like right. evangelizing her village. So, so two yeah, questions, cool. Barry. Yeah. Um, the first is more about our church and the second will be more about um, some background information um, biblically. Um, sure. But the first one, you know, we have some language that we use at Grace Church. Some is more recognizable than others. Uh, for yeah. instance, um, bring your own Bible. We say BYOB. We say bring yeah. your own Bible. That's something we've been doing kind of throughout the last couple of years that I think our people, um, when they hear that, they know what it means. They know yeah. what we're getting into, but this yeah. is only our second hope month right. that we have had as a church. Um, did the topic for hope month change because of what's been happening in the year 2020, or were we going to focus on the broken place of isolation uh, regardless? Good question. It did change. Uh, back when I end of last year, as I was kind of starting to think through the year ahead, um, I, I had landed on pretty, I was pretty sure that it would be the right thing to do to focus on separation from God as the mm -hmm. broken place for this year. I mean, I didn't know there'd be a pandemic. I just knew that this would be my first one after becoming senior, senior pastor. pastor. And mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, it'd be good to do this one. So this is the big one, separation from God. And also if we were to do something like injustice, I feel like everybody would be like, well, of course, Barry's going to talk about injustice. Cause back in the day, that's all I ever preached about. So, um, <laughs> Anyway, I thought it would, we would change it up and do separation. But once the pandemic hit, once we saw just how deeply people were being affected by all of this, we said, let's let's mm. change this up and focus on isolation because we know not only do our people need it, but this is the, this is an opportunity for the church to step up and and really you know work to heal this in our right. world. So right, yeah, yeah. I was struck. I've been thinking about the things that led us to this point, and 
even uh, your dad in his last couple of messages, our uh, former senior pastor, Dave, talked about loneliness mm-hmm. quite a bit and how loneliness was at epidemic proportions in this country and worldwide um, before the pandemic ever was on anyone's radar we were we were talking a great deal about loneliness and the brokenness yeah. of of isolation um and then this happened yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah do you ever do you ever just look backwards like that and see either strange coincidences or possibly even ways that god was kind of preparing us for for what would come Oh yeah. Good question. I mean, that kind of thing, that, that kind of thing does seem to happen. Um, well, I mean, I'll take the really big reality of what we're going through right now. In a sense, you could say that like me becoming senior pastor in the middle of a pandemic after two, two church restructurings is like, Mm -hmm. wow, what a terrible time to become senior pastor. What a, what a challenging place to be. But on the other hand, it is me becoming senior pastor at a time when there's no, like I said last week, I, I have no ability to do this all my on my own. I can't in my own, you know, human strength mm-hmm. pull any of this off. I have to rely on God. And so it's forcing me mm-hmm. into a posture of dependence right off the bat. And I think, and even, so we did something interesting that we haven't done before. Uh, I, to, to try to engage our members a little bit more in some of the questions re- regarding our budget, I sent out a video and some information on where we are uh, financially and asked and gave some, some sort of budget scenarios to our members. And I asked them, what do you think? Like what, you know, pray about this and, and what do you feel God is leading us towards and to hear their feedback and their, mm-hmm. their take on our situation, which we haven't done that before. Cause I mean, nine times out of 10, it's really hard to, integrate a whole bunch of people's opinions and all of that. But to at the same time, it, voices yeah, it's involved. just like, what do you, you know, how can you respond to everybody and all that? But this time around, I just felt it was, it was really important that we were all kind of in this together. Mm-hmm. And so we took a, took a gamble and we went this way and did it. And so far the feedback has been extremely helpful mm-hmm. and so insightful to where our people's hearts are and uh, great suggestions, creative ideas. It, it's so it's been really good. And honestly, what it may have done is it may have changed the way that we interact with our members mm. when it comes to decisions like this, because I'm now seeing how fruitful it is. So in, in a sense, because of the direness of some of our situation, it's, it's kind of opened the door to what I think will be a really healthy and sustainable way to, to move forward. So all that to say, yeah, I think God definitely was setting the stage for this in some sense, mm. the timing of this, I probably, I don't think it was a coincidence. I mean, who knew? And we just said, well, let's make it a five-year process back in, you know, right. m- spring of 2015 that it was going to end up <laughs> right. ending right in the middle of all of this. So Wow. Wow. Yeah. Who could have seen that coming to go to <laughs> last <Yeah>. month's <laughs> sermon series? My goodness. Um, yeah. So I did watch that video that you sent. Um, and just to, to clarify, that video was sent to Covenant community members, to church membership, yes. vested, you know, members of our church, um, yeah. which I actually had a volunteer ask me this week, I want to be a member. How can I oh, become yeah. a member? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you so tell quick, people who yeah, want to do that? Totally. So we have uh, our next Covenant community gathering coming up, and I think we're sending out an email at CovCom, folks. If you haven't heard this yet, don't worry. We're sending it out uh, sometime this week, early this week, but... Um, we have one coming up at the end of August. It'll be August 30th on a Sunday at 2 p.m. That'll be our next gathering. But if you want to join Covenant Community, we are going to be having a, a Covenant Community membership class on Wednesday night, the 26th. And it's going to be a hybrid of in-person and virtual because we know that that's you know, challenging. And we'll have some live aspect of it at each campus based on where you, where you attend and all of that. So cool. anyway, Are if we you want to join, an announcement about that or should we, we will make an announcement, spread the word, go ahead and spread the word, but we will, we will make an announcement about it because it's, it's important. So, yeah. um, yeah. Well, one of the things I loved that you said, um, I know we're a little bit off the topic, but I loved that you in your video email to the covenant community, you said, we know that you, our congregation, you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just because we're church staff, th- that doesn't mean we are the only ones totally. who hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, for wisdom, 
from the Holy Spirit to come through your congregation because you know that they have it. So that just blessed me, Barry, to see um, your confidence in our people and in their Hmm. ability to also uh, discern and rightly divide the word of God and hear the Holy Spirit. So that was cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then my my nerdy biblical background question, (laughs) we hear about we hear about the, the word Samaritan pretty much twice, right? Where there's there's a good one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's the Samaritan <laughs> yeah. woman at the well. I think sure. we have appropriated the word Samaritan to automatically mean something good. Samaritan's oh, purse. interesting. Or, uh-huh. um, you know, oh, and he Because was, of the good Samaritan. Right, yeah. right. The person whose car ran off the road was rescued yeah. by a passerby, yeah. a good Samaritan. That's a word that we use... Um, in and outside of church sure. circles, even uh, you know, news media will use that word. Sure. Um, so tell us a little bit more about why it would be so um, controversial for yeah. Jesus to be asking a Samaritan woman. Uh, you did talk about it a little bit in your message, but if Samaritans are these good people, right, as we have used the word, um, right. why would it have been so controversial for Jesus to talk to her to begin with? Right. And, and just as a, as a note, when it, that story of the good Samaritan, the thing that was so shocking about that story is that the good guy in that story is a Samaritan. So mm-hmm. he's talking to Jewish people about a Samaritan that's doing something good that the priests wouldn't even do. And everyone's like, what? A mm-hmm. Samaritan? So, um, yeah, I, I did a little bit of extra poking around on this. I mean, I've, I've known some of this, but I wanted to really understand it. So basically there are two, well, two schools of thought as to why the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along. One of them is from a Jewish perspective and one of them is from a Samaritan perspective. So from the Jewish perspective, you remember we talked last month all about the Babylonian exile, right? When the Babylonians took away the, 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 you know, upper crust of, of Israel and took them off into exile in Babylon. Well, before the Babylonian exile, there was another exile called the Assyrian exile, uh, it was a little less structured and a little less, it was not quite as like one one big fell swoop. It was this kind of extended Assyrian invasion of the northern kingdom called Israel, and the, the southern kingdom's called Judah. Judah went to Babylon. The northern kingdom, this was like, I want to say like 150 or 200 years, or no, 150 years before the Babylonian exile. The Assyrians came down from the north, they invaded, they they destroyed a whole bunch of, they destroyed Damascus and Syria, they came in and they almost just destroyed Jerusalem, they surrounded Jerusalem, but then they left. Um, but they came in, and the way that, I mean, the Assyrians, Babylonians were, were bad guys, Assyrians were like, just the worst. Like, they would literally, they would literally carve the sides of mountains to tell about how they dismembered and disemboweled their their enemies, how they would like put the, you know, this enemy king's head on a plate and force his wives to watch someone like messed up stuff. And they like bragged about that because they wanted to instill fear in, into everyone's hearts. Well, one of the ways that they dominated an area and just took away any power that an area had is that they would take a ton of the people away from that area, maybe either into slavery or they would take them all and then forcibly resettle them somewhere a bajillion miles away and then force them to be like the new inhabitants of that land. And so uh, from the Jewish perspective, the Assyrians had come in, destroyed the Northern Kingdom, and then planted in a bunch of Gentiles from a bunch of different countries in that region. So all of a sudden there's all these foreigners living in Israel so that when the Jews went off to Babylon, all these foreigners really put down all their roots and got established. And so when the Jews came back from the Babylonian exile, they look around and there's all these foreigners and, and Mm. they, these foreigners intermarried with some of the people, some of the Israelites who remained behind. And it became this kind of, they kind of thought of them as these like half breed, half Gentile, half Jewish people that they just despised them. And not to mention the fact that they claimed that their mountain, Mount Gerizim was the place where, that, that they should rightly worship God hmm. while they were saying, no, it's Jerusalem. And so it's just bad blood and disagreements and they didn't like each other. The twist, and I don't think I really understood this, but the Samaritan understanding of this whole narrative is that when the Assyrians came down, yeah, they, they dealt a significant blow to the Northern kingdom. They dismantled their power structures, but some Israelites remained 
and the Samaritans believed we're the ones descended from those Israelites who remained. Mm. So they said, we're actually the most pure representation of the original forefathers of the ancestors. Like we are the ones that have continuity in the land from way before you guys got kicked out to Babylon. Like we've been here ever since. And so they said, and so they would actually say, yeah, when you go back to Abraham and Jacob and all of that, um, this was the mountain. Mount Gerizim was the mountain that all the stuff was happening on, not Mount Zion. Huh. And so they just believed that they were the the OG, you yeah. know, Israelites. Right. And so, of course, they're not happy with all these, uh, you know, Jewish, Judean Israelites saying, no, we're the ones. And so, yeah, so that was interesting So that's fascinating because you, and you can, you can talk about what led you to this point, but you talked about how Jesus spoke to her um almost prophetically it's like he sets her up you know hey where's your husband yeah he knows he knows and she's like oh you know i don't have a husband he's like well you had five husbands and he's he's setting her up and when he says that to her you've had five husbands she quickly changes the subject Mm -hmm. well sure you you guess looks like you're a prophet uh, so then tell me this, how come we say Mount Gerizim is the place to worship and you say, she, yeah. she tries to change the subject and Jesus's response to her was basically, Hey, it's not going to matter <laughs> which mountain right. you right. worship on. The time is coming right. where that that's not going to matter anymore. Right. So right. the whatever she was majoring in the great mm-hmm. divide mm-hmm. between the two groups, he is just shutting that down and say, right. look, right. that's not going to matter anymore. Right. He's saying, what well, really, yeah. And even if they were half Gentile, it's not going to matter because they're all going to be worshiping God in spirit and truth. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's really cool. Um, so one of the things I pointed out, which you, you kind of mentioned the way that he calls her out about the husbands. I, <laughs> I pointed this out and I thought it was important because there is a, there's another way to look at even just what you said about her, uh, you know, changing the subject. Mm-hmm. It's possible that she wasn't changing the subject because perhaps he wasn't actually ribbing her for her immorality for all the husbands. Maybe, like I said in the message, mm-hmm. perhaps she had been rejected by all these men. Perhaps she had lost, the, maybe all of her husbands had died and she was left destitute. And like, we don't know, we don't know the situation, but um, what is unlikely is that she was this, you know, hussy that was divorcing her husbands to go off with other men because women didn't have that power in the time. So it's possible if that, if it was true that she really was like some kind of a, a, a victim of injustice or just like for whatever reason, just misfortune, hmm. if that was her and he asks her about her husbands, it's less him like calling her out and it's more him saying like, Hey, I see what you've been through. I know what you've been through. Right. And so when she hears that, she's like, Oh, well, then you must be a prophet. Can I, t- can I ask you this question I've been uh, wondering about? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's just another way to read it. And so it's interesting yeah. to think that he's like, great. And so what, what I find interesting is when you compare this story to the one right before it, where Jesus is engaging with Nicodemus mm-hmm. talking, you know, who's the Pharisee, the big religious leader, you can, can actually find some similarities between their sort of their repartee, the back and forth between Jesus and Nicodemus, um, and, and Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And Nick, and it's interesting because, because clearly Samaritan woman has these very big questions. So you might be led to think, oh, she's not really very educated or whatever, but it's also possible that she's actually very smart and she's very, um, she's a very, I don't know, engaging person. You look at Jesus tells Nicodemus like, Hey, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? Like, how's that possible? And he's like, yeah, you have to be born of water and the spirit. And and Nicodemus is like, you're not saying I'm supposed to go back into my mother's womb. Right? Like he's kind of like, he's kind of like pushing back on it and he never really comes around to be like, Oh, I get it. Okay, great. But you look at the, the Samaritan woman right after this, Jesus says, you know, I can give you living water. And she's like, how could you do that? You can't do that. Like you don't even have a bucket. And then he's like, no, it's, it's different. It's, it's like actual living water and you won't even have to be thirsty again. And she's like, okay, please give me some. Right. So her response is actually to go straight to like, yeah, please, I'll take it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I just find it, those little details are so interesting and they were not accidental when John wrote this gospel. I mean, he, he was very masterful in the way that he laid out all his stories. So, so then she goes and she, tells her entire village 
Yeah. She goes, says, hey, guys, come check it out. There's this guy who might be a prophet, might be the Messiah. Let's go, let's go check it out. And here's the thing that, that always, to me, makes me question the idea that she was this, like, village harlot that everybody, you know, couldn't stand, that okay. everybody was despising, Sorry. and that's why... She, Desi didn't what? know what hussy meant. Hussy? Yeah. yeah. It was one of the things she texted me in service was, what, yeah. what does this mean? She said it sounded like a boomer talk. And I'm like, well, it's probably pre-boomer talk. Yeah, I think this my is like greatest generation talk. Floozy. Yes. My grandma would have said hussy. But anyway, I think I said That's it funny. means hoochie. And then she knew what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So harlot, that's another, that's even, even more classical. And now we're going back to like the 1800s, (laughs) but, um, if she was this like despised harlot and she was coming out to the well alone, I wonder if, if she had come and told everybody, Hey, there's this guy, would everybody be like, uh, what are you doing here? You, you hussy, what are you doing here? You floozy. Why would they have listened? Yeah. Now we don't know. It's that's ah, the, the frustrating and lovely thing about biblical texts are that they paint sometimes in primary colors and you mm-hmm. just wish that they had more detail or not primary colors. They're just they're The stories are so simple with so little detail. Uh, you know, if we were to write that, you could write that whole moment into like a, a short story, a novella, you know, that whole little, but we just get a few verses and we kind of have to move on. So I think that that's part of what I love about it, because yeah. if it were more specific, maybe it would be easier to exclude myself from the story, but because mm. we don't know, the exact nature of why she was alone. All that matters is she was alone. She was alone. And I can put myself into that narrative now because Mm -hmm. it isn't so specific, you know? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. You're, you're totally right. And that's, that is the thing. That's why I said, I like, I I love it. It's also frustrating. I love that because it mm. does allow you then to, to begin listening to the spirit about how that might apply to your situation or how it might apply to your world or your own life, et cetera. So, yeah. Cool. So yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, basically I took away from this story and it wasn't a, a super complicated message, but I just looked at the fact that Jesus offered her dignity, even though it would have been scandalous for him to talk to a Samaritan. It would have been scandalous for him to talk to a woman, to be seen with a woman, all of that. He just cuts right through that and he goes straight to dignity. He sees her for who she is. And even, like I said in the message, even if, even if she was or I, I kind of implied this, even if she was a hussy, even if she was the the village harlot and she had dug herself into that pit of isolation, he still offers her living water. He knows who she is and he wants her to, to have life. So even so, there's dignity. There's dignity. Well, right. And, so, and yeah. elsewhere in the Bible, we see him um, rescue and have mercy on the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. So yeah. we you use one story to highlight... Um, the way that Jesus dignifies everyone he comes into contact with, but sure. you need some more stories. You yeah. know, look them up. They're there. Yeah, there's countless others. That's how he approaches everybody. Right. Dignity for children, for women, for outcasts, for lepers. It's always dignity. It's right. never, he never holds people at arm's length. Right. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I was curious to hear what you think about this, I was, and this is kind of the way we're doing the whole series, but um, I did, I mean, most of this, message was really kind of a call to action for the church. Let's, let's rise up and show people dignity. That's the, that's the first step out of their isolation. But I also turned to the corner and, and acknowledged that many, many of us in our congregation are extremely lonely. We are isolated. And so in this and with every other message in this series, it is also a call to hope for us as individuals, a call to, to, to take our own steps out of isolation. And mm. so I began with, with this week by saying like, if you are buying into the lies of your own identity, the lies of that you're filled with shame or that you have no value or any of those things, it, this it's the time to, to actually, in your mind, be the woman at the well and listen to the voice of Jesus and and hear him say that he wants to offer you living water. Hear him acknowledge that you have value. And, and so I think I think that's almost just as important as calling the church to something is also reminding us, those of us in the church that, that we have, we have are made in the image of God and we have to remember that and, and not buy into the lies that force us into our own self-imposed isolation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I've been thinking about, you know, reasons for this isolation as we 
just a peek behind the curtain, you know, we'll sit and we will talk about, okay, August is coming, hope month. And then we'll talk about all these different aspects of isolation so that we can think of um, maybe meetups to have or activities outside the church or special activities of the church, all kind of uh, focused at this one broken place. We're trying to... Um, are you still there yeah i'm still here sorry it looked like you were frozen and the apocalypse is rolling in again just like it did yeah, last just Tuesday. Like last week <laughs> so i thought you were frozen um nope anyways. i was just staring intently at the screen but I, <laughs> i'll keep moving there's no rabbits jumping around behind me or anything they're too confused <laughs> sorry yeah, keep this going is eerily uh reminding me of last tuesday or last monday anyhow um you know there's lots of different reasons for why people may find themselves isolated and you mentioned yeah um people who are ill are having yeah. to uh, be more isolated even than normal um, yeah. because of the danger that's out there with this pandemic or people who are elderly. There's that mm-hmm. type of kind of uh, environmental isolation, yeah. a, a physical isolation. But there's also what you just mentioned, this kind of self-disqualifying sort of isolation that is really self-imposed where we think we are too sinful or not good enough or we're afraid we'll be rejected or we're embarrassed by our pasts and um everything that i guess maybe the samaritan woman could have been again we, we don't know that scenario but how um how jesus was intentional in um treating her with dignity but how she also had she had it within herself to deny jesus a drink to say no not me i'm a samaritan no right you know never um Mm -hmm. peter tried doing that right lord you can't you can't (laughs) wash my feet no you know um there there is a responsibility on our end um to receive the truth yeah. And to receive the yeah. love. To accept um, it. Yeah. And to let mm-hmm. to let our walls down to be able to let the love of Jesus in. So Yeah. 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 So, I mean the the words if you only knew. I love that. Mm. Like if you only knew what was in store for you, yeah. You'd ask me. And and yeah, we have to ask. Like we have to accept and and yet it's there. It's waiting for us. So And it seems like cool. when she caught on, it spread like wildfire. She was yeah. so excited at what she had just encountered she went and she told everybody that she could yeah and yeah what did you say um you said our message spreads the fastest and the farthest when we do it together yeah yeah we are commun. we are community we are meant to be one we are meant to be together um, we're not meant to be islands we're not meant to be alone it's not it's not how we're wired. It's literally harmful to us to be alone. And it's, mm. it's, it's part of the fabric of what being the body of Christ means. You know, a body doesn't do really great when all the different parts are in different rooms. <laughs> you know, right. it, it, it works best when it's working as one in, in conjunction. So let's get really practical. Barry, what does this look like given social distancing and the challenges that we're facing. I think all of these things look great on paper. They sound great, um, you know, philosophically. But what does it look like in August of 2020 to to do the things that you described in your sermon? Yeah, so for me, and this is a good point, I probably could have gotten more into this in the message to get real practical like this, but when it comes to our role as Christ followers to, to help bring dignity to others. I think the very first thing we have to do is be aware of who is isolated around us. And, and, um, we have to be aware of the, the many people in elder care facilities that are, that are isolated. We have to be aware of our neighbors who don't have community or don't have the ability to leave their homes. We need to be aware of classmates and coworkers who we haven't seen in a long time and also haven't heard from in a while. And we need to probably check in on them. And, and I think what it means to approach them with this dignity is to acknowledge their humanity and try to empathize with their situation. I mean, I have 
uh, to an elderly couple lives next door to us, Bill and Sue, and they are delightful. They're amazing. But I have to remind myself regularly of what they must be experiencing right now. And, and so, yeah, it, for me, dignity is, is putting myself in their shoes, even though I'm not, I'm not, you know, in their house, I'm, I'm, I knew they have, they've, she's not able to move as much and he hurt his leg recently at work. And so, so I've been like helping them take their garbage down the hill of their driveway on Wednesdays, you know, it's like barely anything, but they asked if I'd be willing. I was like, of course I would. And so, and I'm helping out whenever I can doing, doing little things. And it's what, what it's doing is it's telling them, I see you, Mm -hmm. I love you and I'm here for you. And, and because you, you, you deserve it. You know, you don't have to earn it. And Bill is hilarious because he's always just like, I don't know if they're between, they might be friends of the pod. So, Hey, Bill and Sue, if you're listening, (laughs) but, um, he is just like, goes on and on about, he's like, I don't even know where to, how to begin to thank you. And I'm like, Bill, I'm taking your trash can down. It's like, it's really not that big a deal, you know, mm. but he, he's acting like it's this huge servant hearted, like self-sacrifice. I'm like, Bill, I take my trash down on Wednesdays. Like it's not that hard either. I can just yeah. pop over and do it. So, um, for me, that's, that to me is just an example of like, we need to look at those who are in our world and, and put ourselves in their shoes and see their humanity. Um, and that that and then we respond with dignity. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking um I'm I'm trying to think of what that looks like in my life. You know, before um before this pandemic happened, one of the things that we talked about at our church is again, the epidemic of loneliness. Yeah. Um among all the people groups from the old to the to the young, to the very young, to teenagers yeah. who are feeling this intense feeling of missing out when they go on social media and they see all their other friends are hanging out but they're sitting at home alone and it can be a very uh intensified feeling of loneliness and despair um and so in that time and again we we do need to be aware and pay attention but i believe god brings of course yeah yeah these situations to us and then it if we're paying attention through his Holy Spirit, you know, we rise to do what we can. So right. you didn't have to go buy a house next to a couple that needed you. Right. But that's where God placed you and yeah. you're, you're rising to the occasion. Yeah. Um, I was approached way back before um, COVID happened um, by a group of young girls at my campus, the Fishers campus, um, that they wanted to do their own um Bible study um, at a different time. You know, they're, they're Merge kids. They love going to Merge, but they wanted this additional Bible study and asked if I would help them with it. Well, of course I would. I love the Bible. Let's, let's do <laughs> sure. this. So yeah. we used to meet in person, but when um, we weren't able to do that anymore, I love it. These girls um, wanted to keep meeting and keep digging deeper into the word and doing it through Zoom. And yeah. so it, it started off as every other Sunday and then it moved to every Sunday and there was a way to still stay involved with these girls who now weren't able to go to school and yeah. um, weren't even able to interact with each other um, person to person. Um, the Zoom was really all we had, um, yeah. but it was a way to stay connected. So sometimes I get overwhelmed when I look at the brokenness of the world and think like, you know, I add it to my list of things to do. Okay. Must seek lonely people. <laughs> right. Must find okay. the isolated. But must heal injustice. Must exactly. do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I have yeah. to trust that God is already working and yeah. He is already establishing things and putting things into motion. He goes before us. He prepares the way. And so mm-hmm. it's just our job to pay attention, to stay in tune with his heart and then yeah. he will lead and he will bring the people our way and the opportunities our way. Yeah. Um, our job is really just to not be self-centered, to be Christ focused. And if we're Christ focused, then of course he said it himself, uh, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Yeah. All he's looking for are a few more good workers, you know, who, yeah. <laughs> who will pay yeah. attention and do the things, um, that he's prepared in advance for them to do. And 
then we can bring healing um, to the world. So I, yeah. I find that encouraging. You know, instead yeah. of being yeah, discouraged too. by, well, I can't meet in this person's house and I can't do this. And well, how, right. Mary's telling me to heal isolation in a pandemic. <laughs> Great. How are we supposed to do that? I find it encouraging that, um, again, God is moving. All you have to do is be yielded to, to him and his spirit and he'll lead you. You'll yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. And I'm hoping that that as we go through more of this series, uh, these these concepts are not just like a five bullet point list of, okay, now go and do this. It's more about a way of living, a way of seeing yourself and your world. Um, next week, Tim is going to be talking about hospitality. The week after that, you are going to be talking about unity. We're going to have, it'll, it'll be great. We'll talk about proximity and family. And ju- these are just ways of seeing yourself and others that I think when, when in conjunction with one another, will kind of form a mentality of how we approach, how we approach isolation. And yeah. so, Yeah. So I hope I hope it's going to be good. Well, I answered the question to what I would normally, what one of us would normally ask at this point, which <laughs> is what's coming next. Where are we going from here? Um, so <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we'll keep doing that. The one other thing I'll mention is we are going to start by start next week. We are going to start uh, writing letters to different categories of people for four weeks. We're going to have different groups of people that we're going to write letters to as a church. And so mm-hmm. something you can do with your kids, something you can do uh, by yourself and or with your life group or any of that. So um, there's information online, gracechurch.us. You can go straight to our website or go straight to straight to gracechurch.us slash hope, and you can find it all there, uh, all the resources you need, as well as, you know, kids content and student ministries curriculum and all that stuff there too. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good series. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, can't wait to hear you speak, Marion. It's going to be good. And uh, yeah, anything else you want to share before I ask you to send us out? <laughs> Just that I'm horribly nervous and I'm begging for prayers. Pray. Pray for Marin. She'll do great, but so, pray for her anyway. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had to talk for that long, right? Like I can write you a song and say everything I want to say in three and a half minutes. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I've I've loved the challenge and I've... You know me, I love any good excuse to nerd out in the word and yeah. reference commentaries. And that part's been super totally. life-giving and totally fun. So That's yeah. why I do it. I mean, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> that that and it's on my job description. But yeah, I, I love the nerdy stuff. Super so, cool. Cool. All right. Well, then I will I'll end us there and say, Marin, would you please send us out? Sure will. Do justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Oh, and I have to say this. And we'll see you on the other side of Sundays. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. We need Tyler back. I thought we had it, and then I forgot that he's the one who says that. Oh, well.